Good morning, everyone. I am so glad to be here with you this morning. And I wanna start off by actually talking about movies. When was the last time that you saw a great movie? The one that checks all of your boxes and when you watched it, the moment it ended, you thought, I'm gonna watch this over and over and over again and never get tired. I don't think I'm alone in this, but I love a good movie, whether it be action or thriller, romantic comedy, whatever it may be, that I am a sucker, personally, for a feel-good ending where good overcomes evil, where the boy gets the girl and everything seemingly works out. We don't get the whole story, but once the movie's over, everybody is in their place. And I don't know about you, but there are fewer things frustrating, more frustrating to me than when a movie ends and everything is in shambles. When nothing has been resolved, the characters are still wandering around, not knowing what to do, or the movie kind of ends on a depressing or sad note. That is frustrating to me. And when it ends, I always feel like, I think I got a little bit ripped off. And so I don't want to speak for you, but for myself, I love a happy ending when all the bows are tied and everything is good once the credit roll. And so this morning, we're going to start a brand new series that's going to go over the summer that's called Flawed Yet Faithful. Well, we're going to be going through some of the people listed in Hebrews 11 as the heroes of the faith who are recognized for their faith. However, what we're going to kind of take a spin on is the idea that none of those people were perfect. And if I'm being honest, Hebrews 11 has always resonated with me as a feel-good passage, as kind of the riding off into the sunset passage, where there's this list of people who got it right. And the people, you know, they stood up for God, they stood up for righteousness, all of those things. And even though they did those things and their lives can show it, if we look closer, which we're going to do at their circumstances or even as themselves as people, it wasn't perfect. And you know, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, the author is unknown, but we do likely have a good idea of who it was written to. It was likely written to a group of Jews who were going through persecution, who were facing hard times, who were facing some very serious things. And Hebrews 11 is right near the end of the book, specifically where the idea that's being emphasized is that a life following Jesus requires endurance that things are not always easy, but we're called to push through in spite of this. And the people that we're going to look at were tortured, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, mistreated, ostracized. Some of them lived outside of the cities in caves, wandering around in the wilderness, that their lives were not perfect. And yet the writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, lists them as the great heroes of faith for us to see as an example. And each person that we're going to look at is recognized and commended for their faith and yet dealt with difficulties and had their own mistakes. Now, I don't know if that sounds familiar to you or relatable, but it does to me. Now, Dr. Van Johnson, if you've been with us the last number of weeks, highlighted and reminded us of the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. That is what we believe, which leads us and encourages us to live lives that are intentional, that are full of faith, and we want to be people who in the midst of the world that we're living in, which is not perfect. And yet while we wait for this perfect future that is coming to sit in this tension of how do we balance those things? How do we live in this sinful world, striving for the hope that we have in the future? That how can we emulate what it means to be a Christ follower? 
And before we did this series with Dr. Van, we actually did a really long series through the Sermon on the Mount where we specifically looked at what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christ follower? And so now we're going to kind of put all of that together. And so if you've missed the last couple of weeks or series, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. But it's not necessary for you to follow up for this morning. But we're going to put it all together to say, how can I do that in real time? How can I emulate Jesus right now in this world? And in my Bible, the heading actually over Hebrews 11, they're all kind of different. Mine is faith in action. What does it look like in real time to live all this out? That we want to keep our eyes, like we've talked about, on the hope that we have in the future and yet also give ourselves grace when we have moments of downfall and insecurity and we make mistakes. And the hope is of this series is that as we see the faith of these people, that as we see how they lived it out, that most importantly, we see the faithfulness and compassion of God. And Paul writes actually in his second letter to his friend Timothy, that if we are faithless, this is encouraging, that even when we don't have faith, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so what we're going to look at is even in our flaws, God shows up and he uses them so we can learn from both people's faithful moments and our flawed and their flawed moments. And I feel like that's true for us even today, that I can learn from the moments that I'm full of faith, and yet I can also remember from those moments that I'm not. And so we're going to look at our passage to ponder. It's from the end of Hebrews 11, starting in verse 39. And we're going to be carrying this all throughout the series. And it says, these were all commended for their faith. These people, all the people we're going to read, Yet none of them received what had been promised to them. Since God had planned something better for us so that together with us, it will be made perfect. And so the good news is, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the gathering, is that the story is still going on. All the people that we're going to look at didn't get to see the perfection, the goodness at the end in its, its, in its entirety. But yet them and us together, God is moving amongst all of our stories so that together in the past, the present, and the believers in the future, that they would all be made perfect together. And so we're going to begin this morning our great tour of the Great Hall of Faith with the faith hero, Abel. And Abel is a biblical figure who is often overlooked. He has a very small section in Genesis, but he was a critical figure in God's redemptive story that Abel is the first person, the first martyr in the Bible. And so we're going to start right at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where the author is going to define faith for us and then start telling us the people in the Bible who were faithful. And so in, starting in verse 1, it says, Now faith, this is the definition, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So every time we hear by faith and then a person is named, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance in what we do not see. That's what they're being commended for. So at the beginning, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, now we're going to talk about Abel. Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did his brother. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And then by faith, Abel still speaks today, even though he is dead. 
And so we're gonna take a look at the specifics of his story, starting in Genesis 4, verse one. It says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And it was time for harvest. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Again, Abel's story is not very long. And afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? That sounds like a little uh, a snappy comeback there. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And so this morning, we're going to look at Abel's faith and the three things that it led him to do based on what the author of Hebrews tells us, that he was commended for his faith. And so what did those things lead him to do? And so the first one this morning is Abel's faith led him to give God his best. The writer of Hebrews says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And people have argued um, throughout the time we've been reading the Bible about what was it about Abel's sacrifice that was better than Cain's? Some people think that it's because God maybe had asked and we just didn't hear about it in Genesis for animal sacrifices. And so Abel brings the, the parts of his lamb while Cain brings um, the crop that he had. And so they're saying maybe God was more partial to animal sacrifice than the other. It could have been that Abel, as it listed in, in uh, Genesis, that he brought the best of the firstborn lamb while Cain only brought maybe his leftovers or a part of what he already had. However, it doesn't get to the heart of the issue. And Eugene Peterson, he writes the message translation, which is just a paraphrase. Um, it's a different way to say it. And he writes that as that verse, he says, by an act of faith, Abel brought a sacrifice to God better than Cain. It was believed, it was what he believed and not what he brought that made the difference. That the difference, what that translation is saying was faith that Cain may have been going through the right motions, but he didn't have the right motive. And if you've been walking with us through the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't that sound familiar? That there's Warren Weaves puts it this way. Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. That his heart just wasn't right with God. That God isn't interested in rituals and routines as we've read Jesus teaching himself that at the end of the day, he wants relationship. 
And Abel's faith in God developed into a genuine love and reverence, which in turn translated into having a acceptable sacrifice that was all heartfelt worship. That his love and devotion and worship to God, this reverence that we're talking about, showed in his sacrifice that he brought God the very best that he had. Whereas Jude 11 actually speaks about Cain and it says, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have destroyed into um, the Torah's rebellion. Now that verse, it might sound convoluted, but the basis of that verse is that all three people that are listed there are characterized as being dissatisfied. And this is in the New Testament, the way that they're talking about Cain that all of them had engaged in some sort of rebellion, greedily seeking selfish gain at any cost. That Cain did not have the right motive, hence why later on, as we read, he turns to murder, he turns to maybe some snappy comebacks to God, and he doesn't really cooperate when having conversations with God later. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says, And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. That at the end of the day, what Samuel is just saying there is listening to God's voice, being in tune, being in relationship is better than a meaningless sacrifice that we just do out of religion. And so Cain's offering was an effort of dead religion, while Abel's offering was made in faith with a desire to worship God in spirit and in truth. And so we can learn from Abel's story even today, even in just point number one, that our worship doesn't involve altars or animals, but true faith still leads to a heart of reverence, of worship towards God that we have to understand that worship is more than sitting in a chair on a Sunday morning, or even right now sitting on your couch in your pajamas with a coffee watching church, that it's more than that. It's more than just singing a few songs or saying a prayer. Those are all a part of it. But worship is a lifestyle that is the, it is the totality of our entire lives, that it's not just a song, but it's the way that I treat people. It's the way that I go about my day every day. And it reminds me of the woman in Mark chapter 12 who drops two pennies into the offering. And we're not going to look at her story specifically, but everyone scoffs at how little she puts to say, why isn't she giving more? And other people are dropping a lot more. And remember, we've talked about before that that made actually a noise when you drop. So when she put her pennies in, it wasn't a very loud sound. And so, but Jesus in that moment commends her because she gives everything that she has in faith, that in faith, it was more in that moment about what she believed, her faith in what her offering was doing out of her worship than the actual offering itself. And so Abel's faith caused him to give God his best out of his devoted heart. And second this morning, his faith led him to be commended as righteous, which is what we read in Hebrews. Then what does it mean to even be righteous? We hear that word a lot. Well, if you look up the word righteous in any thesaurus, you'll find the words virtuous, honest, upright, good, honorable, and even blameless. Now, if we believe that Abel was actually those things, especially blameless, then we might make the mistake 
and we might mistake him for someone who like could walk on water like Jesus. And we don't want to do that, that we cannot say that Abel and Jesus were on the same playing field on their own. And yet, while I'm sure that Abel was an honest, God-loving, moral person, it's important to pay very close attention to how the author of Hebrews words it. That the wording of the verse actually says he was commended as righteous. You see, it's not that Abel, and this is important for us to get, it's not that Abel was righteous by his own good, by his own morality, by his own virtue. But God commended him or declared him righteous. It was actually on God's end that he did that. Because of his faith in God, the Lord pronounced him to be righteous. And righteousness, we often can kind of think of a way of life as I want to live righteously. But it's also, we want to think about it more in this scenario as a state of being, of a condition or a status. That in other words, being righteous means being right by God. It means being accepted by God. And so Romans 1 verse 17, it says, this good news, this gospel that we know tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It lays it out. This is accomplished from start to finish. It all boils down to faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. In righteousness, it is a part of God's nature. It's a part of his character. And he extends that to us, making us right with him through faith. It begins with this faith in the fact that Jesus took our sins upon himself, suffered the punishment that we rightly deserved. And then in exchange, it's an exchange that happens. In exchange, making us righteous before God. That actually now when God sees us, he sees us through Jesus colored sunglasses through a Jesus lens. And as we continue this process of our faith, God deepens and matures us as we read in the scripture. But when it comes to our relationship and right standing with God, the bottom line is always faith from the beginning to end. And to be honest, some of you, and even when I read some of that, sometimes we struggle with believing that that we think that there has to be more to it, that we have to do all the right things. I have to perform well. That is how I am wired as a person, that I want to perform. I want people to notice. That I read that, I think it's all faith, that it doesn't boil down to what I do. And we sometimes can get caught up in that, that we have to earn it. And even though, of course, we want to continue to do, it, to do things that help us, that discipline us as we read the word, as we pray, as we're generous, as we are part of a church community. All of those things are good, but they don't mean anything if we think that those, that our righteousness somehow impresses God. That I say, look at me, I'm better than this person over here. That the fact of the matter is, and this might be hard for us to swallow sometimes, the only way that to, to righteousness is through faith in a righteous God. And only then does right living make a difference. That as we read all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that it starts with our heart posture to recognize that I can't do it on my own. And so as we're looking through this series, we all fall short. Everyone watching this right now, you can rest assured that everybody else also makes mistakes. That all these people listed in Hebrews 11 also make mistakes. And so no one can do it perfectly. And yet God still shows up and 
bestows and declares righteousness over us. And so finally, Abel's faith led him to leave a legacy that the author of Hebrews ends Abel's section by saying, and Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Abel lived a life and even though it was cut short, it's only in a few verses that we get his life. It still speaks today that he's the first one that this author chooses to list in the heroes of faith. That we're discussing him hundreds of years later that he's, incur- he's talked about in the New Testament and it encourages me to recognize that even the little things that I do, they matter. That God notices and they're added to the story of my life. James Moffat once wrote these words, death is never the last word in the life of a righteous man. When a man lives this, leaves this world, be he righteous or unrighteous, he leaves something in this world. He may leave something that will grow and spread like a cancer or a poison, or he may leave something like a fragrance of perfume or a blossom of beauty that permeates the, the atmosphere with blessing. Abel left the latter one. He left the beauty of obedience, of devotion, of faith, despite how his life ended. And I think we all want that. That even though we have a hope in the future of being with God full time, as Dr. Van was talking about, that we want our lives on earth here to mean something. That we want to make a difference. We want to lead people to Jesus. We want to point their perspectives in the right way that we want to strive for this, whatever that looks like for your life. And, you know, I'm really practical in this sense that I have saved things for my future kids. I want to leave a legacy. I've saved stuffed animals, little trinkets. But most importantly, the legacy that I want to leave in a really practical, tangible way is this Bible. I've written notes in it, sticky notes. I put song lyrics. I highlight those verses that I am just holding on to that this book is filled with the things that the Lord is doing in my life. And to pass that along to my kids, if the Lord should bless me in that way, for them to see what the Lord has done in my life, in my own handwriting, that's the kind of legacy that I want to leave. And so Abel's sacrifice, his offering that we read about this morning, gave him that legacy of obedience, of sacrifice, of worship, of devotion, And that is why he is listed in Hebrews. He was the first martyr, the first victim of a murder, and yet was still a sinner like you and me. That we don't have a large window in his life, but because this is after the fall, after Genesis 3, sin has entered the world and Abel was no exception. And yet he still remembered. And his life still speaks to us today. And so as we head into the rest of this series, we want to strive to see people uh, for their faith, recognize them for it, learn from it, but also to, to relate to them in their flaws. And Hebrews 12, the next chapter, verse one says, therefore, so everything we're gonna read about these people and their lives of faith and, and yet their flaws, therefore, since we today as present day Christians are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the, fi- the life of faith, Let us, this is an encouragement, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the protector of our, our perfecter of our faith. 
we all have a race to run. I have one, you have one watching. And these heroes, these real people, as some commentators believe what this verse is indicating, they're like spectators watching a sporting event in an arena that they are watching, that they're witnessing us run our race today, cheering us on. That is such a beautiful picture that everyone that we are going to be reading about, that we are surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. And because of that, we can keep our eyes on Jesus running the race that he has set out for us today. And so I want to live like Abel. I want to be found righteous for what I'm giving to God and how I'm living my life every day. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful that I can be here this morning with my friends, even online. God, that we can be encouraged by the lives of the people who have gone before us, who lived faithfully and yet still had their shortcomings, who still went through hard times, who still were the victims of their circumstances like Abel was. And God, I just asked that as we read from your word, God, that it would be encouraging, that it would be challenging for us to give you our best. God, to recognize that I don't have to perform to get my righteousness, God, that I just have to have faith to know that you did that for me. God, help us all to live, a, leave behind a legacy that's not about ourselves, that's not about recognition, God, but points other people to you. Let that be something that just permeates our heart and our lives. And so God, we give you this week, help us to do that, help us to live that out. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.